getting on the airplane early in the morning and headed to uh, Corpus Christi to regather my wife. And uh, from there, I'll head to San Antonio for a long day's labor on Wednesday of loading up. We are serving the nation's military. That's what Sherry and I are doing. And that's how you know it's a good thing. And uh, um, so and then hopefully on the road, either late Wednesday or back Thursday, so it was a change of plans. I told you that last week, but it prevented me from mi- missing a Sunday, and I was really grateful for that because I'm really in a great vein, I believe, for the, the, uh, at least a three-part sermon series, and I hated to break it. So um, I'm, just, I'm thankful things worked out. And I'm going to make one announcement here that I don't believe that there will be another church in the state of Arkansas, and perhaps in the nation, that's going to make this announcement that I'm about to make right now. So are you ready? We have a bag of apples for you <laughs> at the back of the church when you leave today. We do. We do. So just the, uh, not everybody, some of you get cookies. I've been to churches, they give you a cup, a bobblehead, um, you know, a gift certificate, a book but not a bag of apples. And so we're going back to the garden. That's right. So they were going, we're taking you back. Um, so just for clarity, so that you'll know, they are from the food pantry, from the, but they were USDA product, and there was a little bit of confusion, and they, they sent way too many. And without ample, we don't have the proper refrigeration to store that many because uh, there's like eight crates back there in the back. So there's about, I don't know, 80 or so bags. So... Um, Every family should take one, and uh, what doesn't get taken, we're gonna go, go, they're going to go to the other side tomorrow, or to the Riggs household, one or the other from there. <laughs> so, I just don't, I can leave that, I got to leave it alone, I got to be spiritual here, I got to shift, got to shift, stay focused, get in the zone, get in the zone, get in the zone. I want to ask you with me, please, to turn in Scripture, I'm going to just kind of go right to the Word, visitors have already been welcomed, and we are so appreciative of you being in service with us today, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming out, and we do believe, and we don't just say that. We have learned, especially JoJo and myself over the years together, of the, the ebb and flow of ministry. We have learned to judge seasons, and that there is a heightened season of expectancy in our church family right now, um, and, and we just want to you, we just want to go with it. We want to go with the flow, let the Spirit of God dictate our hearts, our directions, and whatever He wants to do. That's what we want to do, right? We just want to let Him have His way, have His liberty. We've been trying to put the altar service. If we don't have like a super dynamic worship altar moment before preaching, we're trying to put it on the back end of service so that you have the opportunity to come forward both for prayer and for worship, for prayer to be prayed for or just personal prayer. Right, to lift up your hands and call upon the name of the Lord, or to just be a worshiper. And the series that I began last week, I think as I continue this, I think it's going to help you um, to see what I'm seeing. I do believe this. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the Lord by the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to actually turn, even though it's going to be on the screen, I'm going to make sure that I'm reading it from my text. Now, the one verse of Scripture, the Lord, I'm going to tell you, is that last text, the 15th verse of Psalm 55. Hold that one yet and don't bring it, bring it up just yet because i got to bring some clarity uh, to that before we read it real quickly. So we're going to start in Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verse number 12. Let's read this. I just want you to catch the latter phrase. This is something that just caught my attention, the way that the psalmist David here 
writes this. He said, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. As out of not his mind, but out of others' mind. I'm just forgotten. Kind of people have coped with my loss. They've moved on. He said, I'm like a, notice those words, I'm a broken vessel. Catch that and just kind of tuck that in your heart. Now we're turned to Psalm 41, verse 9. Here, so there's a, it's a little bit of a, a transition each time or almost building upon a layer here that we're kind of weaving together. It says, now, now, now it's speaking about kind of hurt or wound, but notice where this comes from. We don't really know what created the hurt in Psalm 31, but here in Psalm 41, David said, It was mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So we can kind of see that there's hurt that can get created, and it can happen in sometimes a surprising place. Now let's go a little farther, Psalm 55, and we're going to just read verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to pray, and I'll bring the 15th verse in a few moments. It says, um, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, and my God, my God, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, and we walked into the house of God in company. So I think that as you follow this, this emphasis on brokenness here, that you'll see that the psalmist here is telling us that it's possible to be broken in God's house. So last week I preached broken in heart. Next week I'm going to preach broken in your house. But today the emphasis it's what happens when you're broken in his house. I believe there can be healing for you. Do you believe that today? It can be healing for those that experience the pain of church hurt. Church hurt, church hurt is a very real hurt. It is. It, it, it's a scar that we need to expose this to the healing grace of God. Amen? So that God can do a work. We don't know. We talk about this. We don't know what somebody is carrying inside them when they come to the house of God, right? And we do a great job in our generation of looking good on the outside, and y'all look absolutely beautiful. Of course, I can't see very far. I have these reading glasses on, <laughs> so I presume that you do. And um, however, however, but God sees everything about you. He sees the, the things you're still dealing with, and if his part of who he is is Jehovah Rapha, and he's the Lord who heals, then I believe he wants to heal the hurt that was created even in his house. So let's pray. I think we're in agreement already. We know where we're going. Let's ask the Lord to help. Father, I love you. I thank you for the word of God today. And I am truly blessed to be here and to share, to minister this word to the people. I pray, God, as I prayed privately, I pray publicly. I pray that preaching will come easy in this house today, that the spirit of God and the spirit of grace will be ready we readily discernible, that we will discern the presence of God. I'm asking today, Father, for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Come on, church family, believe that? The anointing that breaks the yoke, that brings about revelation that can lead to healing. Father, for those that are broken in your house. Lord, I love you. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen. Thank you for your reverence to the word of God. 
Thank you for your kindness to be here. Thank you for your attention, for your willingness to be taught the Word of God. And, man, I'm telling you, I'm at peace this morning with what I'm sharing. I really have a peace in my heart to minister this Word. I really believe that the Lord has laid this on my heart. Now, as I begin to unfold some things in front of you, often I want to take you into the world of the preacher for just a moment. Now, as you see, I've created a subject for us to talk about today, but it's not from one particular passage of Scripture. So there's some bullet points that I'm going to give you shortly, and I want to tell you how I arrived at those. I didn't arrive at those through a Google search, not that I didn't Google search just to gain some, uh, uh, some, uh, a broader sense, but as I sat down... I pray almost in the sense of like, if, what, what was it like when Paul received revelation to give us a, an epistle? Or what was it like when David sat down and he began to pen one of these psalms? He just trusted that what he was hearing was from God. Does that make sense? And that's what I was trusting, that the Lord, the th- Lord, the things that I'm about to share, since I'm not extracting it from just one passage of Scripture that I'm hearing from you, and I'm gonna, that, you're going to have to be the judge of that here in just a little while. The text that I identified here was hurt that was caused particularly by an individual. We read that in the Psalms. He spoke of mine own familiar friend, a close person of personal fellowship who had worshipped alongside of David. David described their relationship as uh, they had broken bread together. They had taken sweet counsel together. They were in a fellowship together, but then something happened, a disagreement, uh, uh, a moment occurred, just something was said, something was done that created a jealousy or envy, the division, and eventually, eventually it led to contention. These particular two passages, especially Psalm 41 and Psalm 55, are what we would call messianic psalms. They, are fa- they found their ultimate fulfillment in Christ. How many of you know it was his own familiar friend that raised up his heel against him, right? Jesus experienced the brokenness. That's why we look to Christ, don't we? We look to him because the Bible says he was tempted and tried in all points, just as we are yet without sin. He's able to save us to the uttermost, to those who come unto God and to him, because he experienced what we experience. And so I'm going to make just a little bit of of an example here. We've We've got David and the son of David. So we're going to, we learn from David's brokenness, from the experience and the hurt that was created, but we don't look to David for healing. We don't look to David and even David's response to the hurt. We look to the son of David, for the son of David's heart was much more merciful. David himself sought God for healing in his own heart, but he often sought for, um, you know, for for reprieve in in, in some type of... uh, judgment from God upon those that hurt him. So the reason why I saved verse number 15 on that Psalm 55 to just go ahead and so that you can see this. In this moment, you can't pray like David prayed. If you've suffered hurt from people that have been in the house of God, and often we consider the, you know, the church the sanctuary, and we don't think these things will happen to us, but they can, you can't pray like David prayed. We're going to put that verse on the scripture or on the screen real quickly. Because here's how David prayed about those that hurt him. Let them die and let them go to hell. That's pretty strong, isn't it? So, and I say that, and I'm trying to, because I wanted to be true to the text. I didn't want to just omit that as if David, so David, you know, David is writing you know, this out, and he's wanting something to produce, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, him to feel justified in what happened to him. But listen, we're looking to the one that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's who we're lifting our eyes to today, as the song said earlier. We know that as Christ, Christ endured hurt from both Judas, he also endured hurt from the abandonment from his disciples. His disciples said, Lord, I will go with you into battle and even into death. And before the rooster could crow, they were all scattered. The shepherd had been smitten and the sheep had scattered, and he had suffered abuse from his own accusers. And so, as with most things, there are levels or degrees of hurt that have been created in the church from those that were greatly wronged, and there have been some great wrongs that have taken place to men and women that worship together, to those who experienced maybe just a little dispute, but it wasn't dealt with. And then that little thing, you know, last week we mentioned fetters, well, there's fetters, but there's fester. So there are times we let something and we don't deal with it, it just festers. And when it festers, it becomes more than what it should have been, right? And that can happen with church hurt, and it, led, it can lead to greater reproach or contention. You say, so pastor, let me just kind of broaden this. What type of hurt are we dealing with? Not one in particular, per se, in the church. You can, there's a lot of things. This will just kind of just toss these out randomly just so you can kind of just see the broader sense. We can have a, you can have a small dispute with a fellow believer that leads to that wound being created. Oftentimes, the pastor is definitely the one that can many times inadvertently hurt a person in the kingdom of God because maybe of his teaching or his leadership style. Certainly, neglect can create hurt. Maybe you had a need that was so uh, paramount in your life and prevalent in your life and others around you weren't quite aware of it, and you felt like that, that you didn't receive the same type of care that you should have received to help you during your time of crisis, and that created a hurt. And those are justifiable. How many of you know it's justifiable? And so then there's uh, failed expectations. This is one that I've observed many times as a pastor where failed expectations are maybe we had an expectation uh, that this would happen or that would happen in the church, or even uh, there's hurt, and I'm not going to really make this message about this when you, have, when you take offense with God, but there are times that we have prayed and asked the Lord for something, and it just haven't, we haven't seen the answer, and in, in doing so, it created a wound in our heart. Uh, sometimes we've seen jealousy. As a pastor, I've observed ministry changes a particular ministry opportunity was created, and you believed that you were the one that was called, and you were the one that was qualified, yet somebody else was chosen. It happens, and you felt this, and it kind of thrust you away. Let me give you an example of this. Before Moses became the deliverer when he was 80 years old, he thought that he was supposed to be the deliverer when he was 40, and he went down to visit his brethren in Egypt, and he delivered, he, he tried to stand between two of his Hebrew brothers that were fighting. He was going to be the, the arbitrator and stand between them. And in doing so, one of them, uh, Acts 7 says this, that they rejected him and they thrust him away. You know how long he was thrust away? Forty years. That moment of disagreement created him uh, being thrust away from his destiny for 40 years. How many people have experienced hurt in the church and then for whatever reason felt like they were pushed out or pushed away and, and their gifts were lost to the good of the body because of that moment? 
And I don't want to see that. I think that if we'll look deeply or, or, or intently at this, we can make, our, we can make a, our way through this. So the list goes on and on. And you know what? And I'm not even mentioning, what about when, when you have adultery that happens within the church? What about when there's actual physical abuse of some type? And God forbid, but definitely there's at times when sexual abuse has taken place. Those are extreme examples that I'm not even necessarily really, you know, but, but it happens. And so again, what I'm trying to say today is we're not focusing on one particular type or incident, but we're focusing on it in general, what happens when you're hurt in the church. So what are you going to do when you've experienced this? You don't need to just limp along, right? You don't want to just limp along wounded as you worship, Right, I want to be healed. I'm not saying don't worship while I'm wounded, but let it lead me to a place of healing. But you don't want to be in that mindset that just says, I'm just going to live with this. I'm just going to uh, kind of absorb it. Nor can we let the pain of past hurt keep us from serving and connecting to the fellowship. You know, because that happens as well. And we can't let our wounds lead to not only greater hurt, because it can, but it can lead to bitterness. That's the dangerous thing that can happen is you can get calloused, hard-hearted. Uh, you can actually find yourself not only being bitter and resentful, but I'm telling you the nature of sin, it can lead to hatefulness. Hatred, malice can be in the heart of a child of God who was worshiping in the house of God, but contention or strife or division, something happened, and they suffered pain or reproach or wound in their heart. And now, instead of concerned about the good of the body, there is hatred there. And I'm telling you, we've got to be careful and we've got to guard ourselves. Because uh, if, if we were to look at this, let me just tell you real quickly. If, if, we, if we let all these things happen, the enemy's won. He's won. Because let me give you an example of, that, of what can happen in 2 Corinthians. We talked about 1 Corinthians and the sexual sin in chapter 5 in our lessons on Wednesday night. Now, in chapter, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, Paul deals with the man that was excommunicated, that who created the offense, created the situation through his sexual immorality. And Paul said, you need to restore him. He has repented, and once he's repented, he said, you need to restore him and bring him back into the fellowship. And then he warns you. He warns the church. He said, lest Satan get an advantage over us. Because we're not ignorant of his devices. And when we're not willing to reach out to people that have shown humility and allow for reconciliation, the adversary is going to get a stronghold. Right? And once he gets a stronghold, he doesn't just arbitrarily leave. He'll have to be demanded to leave. Come on now. And so we want to deal with this in the right spirit. So we've got to be honest with ourselves and we've got to be honest before God. We've got to value, you've got to value your involvement in the church to the degree that you will face the uncomfortableness of searching for healing. How many know that when you get ready to set something that was broken, sometimes it's painful? I remember my dad who's here today uh, telling me that he broke his arm when he was a young boy playing football on the, foot, on the, uh, high school, or the, the school campus there in Mariana. And, uh, and, and it healed, but it wasn't set properly. And when it wasn't set properly, they had to go back in and re-break it. There's an uncomfortableness when you've allowed something to what you think is healed, but it didn't heal properly in order to get it really fit. There's an uncomfortableness. But if you really value the kingdom and you value, value the local body and you value your involvement, not only what you give, but what you receive in the local body, then you're going to press through that uncomfortableness because you want to find healing. 
You can't shirk away, you can't limp away, and you can't drift away. And you cannot be moved away entirely from the church. So as I stated last week, and I want to clarify or bring additional thought to that, yes, you can be hurt in the church. That's part of, that is the theme today. But guess what? If you were hurt in the church, you can be healed in the church. Right? I've told you last week the writer of Proverbs said that a good word can make the heart glad. Let me give you a good word real quickly about Jesus. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 14, it says this, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I love that passage of Scripture. Because this is his house, and he's God of the house. And if you come to him broken and wounded and hurting, I'm telling you, he will not turn you away. Right? But he will heal your hurt and your wound. I believe you can be healed psychologically. I believe you can be healed emotionally. And just as as much as we believe you can be healed physically. But we also believe you can be healed relationally. How many believe relationships can be restored? Not only between uh, close, uh, you know, as husbands and wives when there's fragmentation there, but also in the church. So you say, Pastor, what can we do? What can I do if I've been broken in the house? How do I find healing, and how can it lead to my restoration? So this is where I'm going to drop down in your spirit the things that I believe that God dropped in my heart to share with you. Now, again, these are things that you have to ponder, and you have to contemplate, and you have to search. Is this a spark? Is this the spark that will lead you towards exposing that area of your life to the uncomfortableness of obtaining the healing that you need? I hope that you will. Matter of fact, that leads me into point number one. Your heart and your hurt has to be exposed to the light. It can't hide in darkness. The pain cannot hide in darkness and be healed, right? It's got to come out. You've got to bring it out. And I believe the first place to bring it out is in your own confession to God. Joe said it earlier. We believe in you being accountable to God, responsible for your own actions. Let me tell you, don't, I, I told you last week, but I'm telling you, it's so ignorant. We believe that we can hide things from God. You can, he knows your thoughts are far off. He knows you're rising up and you're downsetting. He knows if you're harboring something in your heart, it's not like God's like, oh, I'm surprised at that. God knows everything. He knows your feeling. He knows your wrestling, your struggle. But I'll tell you, it leads you to healing when you start confessing it. You start getting it out. You start being honest with God. You start saying, God, you see I'm struggling. You see that it's present, the hurt, the wound, the pain. I'm confessing it to you. But not only do I confess it to God in prayer, that's where it starts first. First and foremost, confess it to God. But then be willing, if necessary, to confess to a trained counselor or a very close, trusted friend. Somebody that will give you godly counsel. Why are we afraid of godly counsel? I need godly counsel in my life, don't you? I need somebody that will look me in the eye and care enough about me to tell me the truth. I remember years ago and times when, when and I've been, I've been with lots of folks, uh, with doctors at the very critical moments when, you know, the doctor comes out after surgery, and some doctors just kind of hem-haw around, and some doctors are just kind of afraid to be frank, you know, and just tell you this is the, but I remember when my mother was passing away, and I really appreciate that doctor, because that doctor came out that, you know, and we didn't know exactly what was going on. And he looked us in the eye and he said, 
that your mom is passing away, that she's in the process, her body is shutting down. I would rather have somebody come and tell me, hey, you better deal with this, right? Or this is, uh, you, can't, you can't let that be in your heart. A believer, will, another believer will look at you and say, no, it's not right for you to have that in your heart. You got to deal with these things. So you confess your faults one to another and you pray one for another that you might be healed. And you pray for strategy and you pray for direction and I don't self-absorb it. That's not the will of God, but I search my own heart and life. And then at the same time, I'm always asking myself, do I need to seek forgiveness for my role in the incident? Do I need to seek, do I need to ask, what if anything is, is, is in me that, 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 that came as a result, or maybe I contributed to it? The person that fails to look at their own heart and life is, proud, is pride, it's pr- or excuse me, is proud. And so at the same time, never be too proud to say, God, you tell me about me. You, if God, there are things in my, I want to know, because I want to be clean in my communion with the Father, don't you? That will lead us to number two. And this may be the, the, I could probably stop right here, and we would shut down 90% of contention if we would simply obey the simple command of Jesus. Number two, be prepared to address the issue. Let's go to a famous passage, Matthew 18, three verses there. Jesus gave us instruction. This is from a pastor's heart. This would help every one of us if we could somehow, for hurt that's been created in the church, here's what Jesus said. If your brother does what against you? What? If he has sinned against you, correct? What are you supposed to do? Go and talk about him? Post it on Facebook? Right? Now, what did he say? He said, deal with it at the lowest level. Right? Go right to him. Don't, you don't need to bring anybody. you got to be courageous enough to say, God, I need your help in this, and I want to have the courage. I know it's uncomfortable, but it's biblical. I'm going to go to the individual. I'm going to share the, about the fault. I'm going to tell it to him. And if he will hear thee, then you have gained your brother. Right? And then, he said, then Jesus took us further. He said, but then what happens? He said, but if he won't hear thee, then, then, then involve some other people that you know are aware of the situation. They've got wisdom. They're credible people. This is consistent with the teaching of the law, the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word being established. Bring, uh, not, this, is the, uh, this is not to gang up on anybody, but this is to bring the power of counsel. How many know there's safety in the multitude of counsel? So here are just two or three you don't need to bring. He said, but then if that person won't hear you, then Jesus said at that moment there, and again, this is under Judaism, this is under the law of Moses, that this that Jesus is teaching us, but we can glean from it. He said, then he said, if they won't hear you, let them be as a heathen man, as a publican. You've done all that you can do is what he's saying. So I I wrote it this way. I'm telling you, I believe that almost all uh, situations could be resolved at the first or the second level. If we in the church... We're courageous enough to do what Jesus said to do. Are y'all out there today? I know it's uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, I don't want to go to my grave with, un, with, with issues in my heart and life that could have been resolved, right? And I could have had peace because it will weigh on your heart. You won't have the joy that you should have to be the person. Number three, quickly today, is you better, I mean, this is obvious. You got to be prepared to forgive. When you make that meeting with the person that sinned against you, the objective is not to call them out. It's not to go there with attitude. Come on. It's not to go out there so I can tell them what all this. No, it's to go for the purpose of reconciliation. And I tell you what, with reconciliation, there's going to have to be forgiveness. You're going to have to offer. That's the one thing that you can offer to cause about a healing in a relationship that has fractured. You can offer forgiveness. 
I might not can offer everything, but there's one thing I can do. I can offer forgiveness to somebody that's hurt me and wounded me. And the reason why, thank God for his forgiveness today. Are y'all out there? So you've got to be prepared to forgive. If you truly want to overcome hurt, if you truly want to overcome hurt, you've got to be prepared to forgive. Can I let that sink in for a moment? Now, I'm going to be honest because this is going to lead us to number four here in just a moment. When you offer forgiveness at times, it doesn't feel as good to the natural man as resentment does. The resentment, I, I can, that, that, that kind of appeases my flesh for a moment, doesn't it? Are you all out there? You catching what I'm saying? And at that moment, I'm just like, you don't deserve forgiveness. But I'm judging that individual. I mean, I don't want to be the judge, right? I offer what God offered me. God offered me forgiveness. He gave me forgiveness. He granted me forgiveness, and he's empowered me to offer it. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to heal from hurt, you've got to be willing to forgive. Now, the preacher told you last week, forgiveness is something, it's, it's, it's more than just saying, I forgive you. I've watched children. I raised six. And, uh, and you know, all of us parents do this. Go tell your brother and sister you're sorry. How many times did you go tell Alicia and Deanna you're sorry, Shane? Yeah, how many times? They owed you more, I think, yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> since they're not there, I'll say that. But how many of you know that children sometimes, you can say it, but you don't mean it? Right? But at the same time here, that's why we pray to God in all sincerity and say, Father, I want this to be sincere. I want to be able to truly offer forgiveness. I want to be sincere when I need forgiveness from an individual, and I want to be sincere in my offering of it. And that leads me to number four, and that is, it is you got to understand, this will help you as a person. If you'll hear this, understand the sin nature. This will help you. And it's, these, these all are layered one upon them. What do you mean the sin nature? Even born-again people have the capacity to sin. There is weakness in the flesh, right? Your flesh is weak, correct? Who here would be bold or arrogant enough? It's not boldness to be arrogant, it's to be foolish. Who here would raise their hand and say, my flesh is not weak, it is strong, right? Jesus said, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Is your flesh weak? Well, then so is theirs. So is theirs. And when you know more of the sin nature, I want you to read two verses of Scripture, Romans 7, chapter, chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. Look at this. Get this down in your heart. This will help you. He said, he said it is no more I that do it. It's talking about sin and the nature of sin. He said, but sin that dwelleth in me. So in this moment here, he's saying there's something inside me that's compelling me. To do things that I ought not do. Verse 18. For I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And so many of you in your own walk before God, in your communion with God, you say that, man, there is sin, the sin nature, the sin desires in my flesh. I've got to mortify it. It's a struggle. I've got to get up every day. I've got to die to myself. I've got to mortify these fleshly appetites. It's the process of growth and maturation as a believer. But, and you say, Pastor, I struggle in this at times. And so does your brother or sister. Who hurt you? They struggle because there's sin in their flesh. And that's why Jesus said this himself. He said it is impossible that offenses would not come. As long as we're in the flesh, we're going to be dealing with the potential of sinful situations and even hurtful situations. 
And so you can't abandon the church simply because the potential is there to get hurt. I want you to know there's a far greater opportunity for you to get healed than there is to be hurt in the house of God. Jesus himself, as we know, he prayed this prayer. On the tree, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what? The person that hurts you in that moment of time, bound by the dictates and desires of the flesh, may have not really known the full ramifications of what they said or what they did. Understand the sin nature. It will help you. And this leads to number five. Are y'all out there today? This is good word. I'm telling you, I came to church at peace today. Sometimes I don't, but I came to church at peace today because I was like, Father, this is going to help our church. It's going to help people in our church. Number five, you have to give grace. What does that mean? Is that the same as forgiveness? No. You have to be willing to give grace. What I mean by that is, I mean your margin for error must include room for people to occasionally do something or say something that might unintentionally hurt you. Now, I'm going to clarify that statement in just a moment. But in the church, often, we have expectations so high that certain things won't happen. I've noticed husbands and wives sometimes get by. They give each other a pretty good margin. Sometimes they, they, sometimes they say things they ought not say. But, they, but I've, I've noticed because I've observed families that, that they can get by with it because they know each other so well, they know that the margin, the width of the margin. Does that make sense? So they know, and, and definitely with children, you know, we're oftentimes, many times, we give our children a lot of grace. And we're quick to oftentimes criticize or condemn somebody else's child, but we will be quickly to protect and justify our own. We'll give them a lot of grace. I mean, you know, as a parent, you've got to give your child grace. Uh, my fa- one of my favorite pa- uh, uh, quotes, now I don't quote a lot of famed uh, authors as some pastors do, but I'm going to quote my dear buddy, Uncle Billy Quarry, because he spoke about teenagers when he was a youth pastor. He said this, he said, teenagers will come, they will walk directly out of the presence of God and do something stupid. And I like that type of theology, right? right? But as a parent, how many of you know you've got to give them grace? Grace to grow. grow they, they're, they're, they're in between the white line and the yellow line. And they're, they're navigating themselves. So you cannot live life in the kingdom with an edge. You can't have false expectation that everybody in the church is perfect. And that somebody's not going to occasionally or say something or do something that either disappoints you or that can lead to disagreement. Now when I say this, by giving people grace, I'm not saying I'm giving people room to abuse. I'm not saying I give people room to be malicious or hateful, but what I'm saying is I recognize the sin nature inside of them, and I recognize that they're working out their own salvation with fear and trembling before God, and I got to give them room. I can't judge their entire person by an occasional flaw, and that's a good word right there, because there's more to them than that. Let me tell you, I want you to think about the Apostle Peter for just a moment of time. We have very little record of his flaws after he became an apostle. But when he was a zealous disciple following the Lord Jesus Christ, thank God Jesus gave him grace, right? Because he was saying and doing things that hurt a lot of people along the way, but God was patient with him. Christ was patient and working with him and praying for him. And a matter of fact, he even told him on the night of his betrayal when Peter once again was arrogant and said, Lord, if everybody leaves you, I'll be the one. He said, I'll, I'll be like Samson. I'll be fighting till my dying breath. 
And Jesus said, Peter, he said, Satan has desired to have you. And he said, but I've prayed for you. And you're going to make it through this trial. And when you're finished, he said, you're going to help strengthen your brothers. But if it wasn't for the prayer of Jesus, he might not have never made it through. And the grace that Jesus gave him. I don't know about you today. I'm going to be honest. I'm thankful God's given me grace. I've had, I can't tell you the good intentions I've had that I've failed in. I don't ever get up in the day and say, well, I hope today is a day when I, I can intentionally hurt somebody. Or I can intentionally neglect somebody. Or I can be malicious or say something or disappoint somebody. How many know it's quick to disappoint? I don't get up in the morning and say, I've definitely gotten up during the day and say, Lord, I want to follow and walk in the spirit and be kind and do the things that you want me to do. Only to look back and see where I miss the Lord. And, and, I, and I left the disappointment. I left opportunity. But I found that God was gracious. That if I just cried out to him and said, Lord, forgive me and help me and strengthen me and let me recover from this. Why am I saying that to you? I'm telling you, you'll be a healthier person if you'll give people grace. You will. I'll tell you what, you'll, and you'll actually learn to love people more. You will. Number six today, and this is one I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, it seems real simple, but sometimes you just got to leave some things to God. Pastor, I did everything that I know to do. Well, then you got to walk away from it. You got to leave it alone. You got to say, I did everything. I believe I have followed the biblical exhortation. I've sought for healing. I've sought for reconciliation. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul was addressing the sin of lawsuits, bringing uh, uh, people before the courts, brothers and sisters bringing each other before the court, the exhortation that Paul gave them, he said, he said why can't one of you just take the wrong? How many know sometimes you got to just take the wrong? Sometimes you got to just say, you know what, but I've dealt with it, I've done everything, and the reconciliation, I just got to walk away from it and leave it to God. I've done all my part, I've done everything, and let me tell you this, but the thing you got to be careful of, and you got to guard yourself, you got to refuse to become bitter, right? And when you say this, you say, God, you say this, I leave this to you, God, and he said, but at the same time, don't let it thrust me away from the fellowship. Don't let it thrust me away from other people because, let me say this, in addition to this, you can't judge the whole by the action of one or a few. Number seven, because that's what happens in the church. Many times we judge the entirety of the whole. Now, the reality is this. There are probably some very unique situations where the entire church fellowship is a den of serpents. That's what they used to call when I was in the Air Force in basic training. We called it the serpent's den. The serpent's den was the table during lunchtime where all the drill instructors sat at. And you had to occasionally walk past them. And you hated walking past them because you were going to get bitten. It didn't matter how close, how good you looked, how everything was right. They were going to find something about you. It was a den of serpents. Well, let me tell you right now today, church family, there may be some churches and some fellowships out there where everybody's a den of serpents. But as a whole, that is not the case. And you can't judge the whole. Remember, we want to value the local church. We want to value our involvement in it. We want to value our opportunity for worship. And we want to value what we can get and what we can receive. And if we allow the actions of a few to dictate who we are and where we are and the people we want to worship with, then we're going to be the one that's at, at a loss. Because we're going to be like Moses, thrust away on the backside of the Midian desert, not walking in the fulfilled will of God for our lives. So let me just say this real quickly. I believe that if the incident was isolated or uncommon, not typical of the actions and vision of the fellowship of the person, then you don't need to leave that church. And you don't need to leave this church. I kind of put it in an example. This way. I'm kind of excited about sharing this real quickly. We all have, very quickly, to keep this in mind. You can't judge the whole by the action of a few. 
So I want you to think about a, a restaurant for just a moment. And I'm going to bring up one in particular in a moment. We often can get aggravated. How many of you have ever been going to a restaurant? It was maybe your favorite restaurant, and you got aggravated in the parking lot. Somebody pulled in in front of you. But you just looked for another parking spot. Oh, but let it happen out here, 1009 West Cersei Street. Right? Or then maybe the waiter or the waitress or the hostess, maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe they were, sens- uh, you know, they were insensitive to your situation. You kind of got neglected. But typically, you know what? If you know the whole of the restaurant is good, you like the vibe, you like the menu, it's all been, you know, then you'll overlook that occasional moment that, will ha- that has happened to you because it's, as a whole, it's a good experience. I want you to think with me of a restaurant and just north of Springfield, or is it south of Springfield? North of Branson, south of Springfield, Lambert's. The home of the throat roll. Who's been there? It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Not buffet, all-you-can-eat. Every line item on the menu. They don't post it, but now you know. I've seen some of these amens right there go. I've seen, them, I've seen the work that they can do. And I can see, I want you to think about that. I want you to think, I want you to use the analogy of how quickly we get offended in the church, but we're willing to work through things at our favorite restaurant. Have you ever been at Lambert's and you're excited? You love the vibe. Number one, you're willing to wait in line for two hours to get a seat. But you will circle through this parking lot and head on to the restaurant if you have to wait for a parking spot. So we'll wait there. And then it doesn't matter something. If the bathroom's not clean, that's okay. Because, I mean, the music is going. There's a great vibe. I remember how excited I was when I was there one time. And I look, you know how it's not like Cracker Barrel where they got farm instruments up there on the roof, you know, on the ceiling. Uh, You know, at Cracker Barrel they do. They got all that. But they don't have that at Lambert's. But what they have at Lambert's is they've got all these tins, you know, with from the past, you know, like lunch boxes and things. And I was sitting at my booth, and I looked over, and right there to my shoulder, right there was a tin of Clayton Moore as the Lone Ranger. And I was back to my childhood right there. It was a great day. So the vibe was great. You could have all you can eat. You can have the barbecue ribs or the catfish or whatever. I have watched Shane mow down an entire rack of ribs on his way back from a turkey hunting trip. I have. I've been there personally, smoked it. And so it's a great vibe. And then you know people are coming around and they're putting what on your plate? They're putting okra. They're putting fried potatoes right there. You don't even have a plate. They don't even wait to bring you a plate. They just put it out there and somebody drops it on your plate. But the thing you're waiting for is that brother to come through those two double doors. And he's got a whole pan of what? Hot rolls. And you get your hand up and you're ready. And what if you're the person that you're the person that had your hand up and he ran out. You don't leave. You just wait for him to bring another pan of rolls out. Oh, but let the church, let the church forget about a little moment of your personal need for a moment. And you'll be searching for another church. Do you see how, where we're at? You see how quickly we allow some things? And I thought about that for a moment. What if you got your hands up? And you're like, right here. Right here. I'm waiting on you. And then that, pit, that, 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 that guy that's got the rolls... He's always wanted to be a major league baseball pitcher. And this is his moment. And grandma's got grandma's reflexes a little bit slower. And she's trying to get her hands up, and he just throws that thing 92 miles an hour through her hands, mocks her in the nose. And grandma's spinning just a little bit. But you know what happens? 
she just laughs and gets both hands up and says, throw me another one. Let the preacher say something that hurts your feelings. Let the preacher say something that kind of might get in your business for just a moment. And all of a sudden, we're so, we're so sensitive in this American culture, we're leaving and looking for another church. But you know what? I came along with a good word to tell you today. You want to avoid being hurt? Get your hands up. Another roll's coming your way. God will have a good word for you. Maybe you missed it. Maybe we threw it too hard. But there's fresh bread coming your way. If you'll just stay with it and say, God, I'm, I'm going to be who you call me to be. And I'm not going to be so sensitive and to have my feelings hurt over the littlest of things. Man, that's a good word right there. Number eight, let me tell you this. If you ever have to leave a fellowship, and that does happen, leave gracefully. I've seen people come and go in our church. Happens. It, it's going to always happen. Some, I mean, there are, it's, just, it's just part of the nature of it. But this is my word to every one of you here today. If you have been wounded and people have been wounded sometimes you just had to leave the fellowship it just you couldn't find the reconciliation you just couldn't happen i understand that jesus said there comes a moment you've done everything you can you kind of got to walk away but let me give you a word and i'm about to close but i said bout (laughs) don't give in to the natural sinful tendency to slander gossip or belittle Bless the house of God. Bless the people. Speak life. Speak release. Speak forgiveness and speak blessing. This is a word from my own daughter, Alyssa. She said, and maybe even write them a little note. Send it to them. Send it to the pastor and just say, you know, I felt like God was saying it was time for a new season in my life. But I want to thank you and this church family for all the kindness and the love and the blessing that was happening in my life. Believe that God has a new season of life for yours. But let me tell you this. If you leave with contempt, you'll bring it with you where you're going. Is that right? Number nine, there's ten. I'm closing and be finished. Number nine, this is maybe, I keep saying it's my favorite. But they just, I just knew I was in the spirit. I was hearing from God. I'm telling you, when you're hearing about Lambert's, when you are preparing your sermon, come on, you know you're in the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I say that as I'm going to Missouri next week. So I may have to take Sister Sherry on a little roundabout. Number nine, search the Scriptures personally. And what do I mean by that? And why would I say it? Remember the very first point? The very, the very first point was expose your hurt to the light. Pray and counsel I believe that's, but, but, but here, here, here's an even greater healing can be found when you search out the word for yourself and you're asking the Lord. Now, let me tell you what would happen. So we shared this on Wednesday night uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to take two verses in the book of Ephesians that I want you to read with me because, and I want you to just pretend, let's just say you're growing in your faith and you're just, you're just wanting, you're getting to know the word and you've been reading the book of Ephesians and in the book of Ephesians, that's where you find out that the middle wall of partition was broken down. We Gentiles were afar off are now brought near by the blood of Christ. We're no longer strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. The book of Ephesians tells us that he will uh, place us in exceedingly high places in Christ Jesus, that we were adopted. It's just a powerful book. And so you're reading this, and the 17th verse of the fourth chapter says, be not as the other Gentiles are in the vanity of their mind, the futility of their mind. So you've heard me preach about that. You can't be like the world. When you got saved, you lost your ability to live in ignorance. You lost your right to just say, I didn't know. No, now you've got to say, God expects me to learn. 
So when you're studying, what happens when you see this 31st verse? And you see this, this is God working in you. And he says, this is the will of God for my life. Let all bitterness, remember I was hurt. Let all bitterness, and, and then, but I, not only was I hurt, I could also cause hurt. And wrath, and anger, and clamor. You may have a different translation that may say different things, but for the King James Version, evil speaking, be put away from you with all what? With all malice. And then, and then be what? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, doing what? Read that with me. I know your flesh didn't want to see it, and there's a part of your, 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 your psyche that doesn't want to because he's, he, you've coped in your mind uh, in, in a certain level of resentment, but God said, this is my will for you, forgiving one another, forgiving one another, even for what? Even as for Christ's sake, as God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. And we are forgiven. Does that make sense to you? So what happens when you become a student of the Word of God yourself, and you're praying, and you're praying devotionally, and you're reading, and you're growing, and you come to this passage of Scripture, and there's hurt in your heart, and there's a wound that was created, and there were some things that were unfinished, and all of a sudden you say, you know what? And you've been bitter about it, and it's caused you to be angry. But now you see, but God said that He gives no place. Give no place to the devil. Verse number 27. No place to the devil. And so in this passage here, God is saying, I want you to be kind. I want you to be tenderhearted. I want you to receive forgiveness, and I want you to give forgiveness. And if all of us would work that into our own heart, and it was written on the fleshly tablet of our heart, I'm telling you, then church hurt would, go, would be almost lost in the kingdom of God because God's healing process would, or, or work and grace would already be at work within us. It's a powerful word. Search the Scriptures. Personally, lastly today, I'm getting ready to close because I want to pray in this house. I believe I feel the presence of God in here today, don't you? Do you believe that today? believe the Lord led you here today to this house for this moment? Number 10, be mindful of the wounds of others. Right there first. So I put those together because it was about the wounds for a moment. Be mindful of the wounds of others. Maybe even the person who hurt you was deeply wounded themselves. Does that make sense? Sometimes we're, we, we look past. Sometimes we don't see that. All we see is the anger or the resentment or the attitude that was shown to us. But maybe a scar, maybe a hurt was inside of them and it festered and it didn't heal or it wasn't set properly and it didn't heal properly. So be mindful of the wounds of others. Don't just be so engrossed in your own wound. Are you all out there today? But always be mindful of his wounds. Always be mindful of his wounds. There is such healing in seeing Jesus on the tree. His wounds bring healing to our wounds. As the worship team comes, how many of you know we look to Jesus and his suffering? Can I tell you something real quickly, church family? One of the greatest analogies of God's redemptive work through Christ is in the strangest of places. It was in the wilderness. It was on a pole. It was a season. Jesus himself said it. He referenced it. He said, as the serpent was lifted up on the pole in the wilderness... He said, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, 
Why am I bringing that up today for a moment of time? The passage in the scriptures is in the book of Numbers. And the children of Israel, because of their murmuring and complaining, were bitten by fiery serpents. Fiery serpents. And it didn't matter what they tried to treat the bite, that painful bite with. They were losing people one after the other after the other. And God spoke to Moses and he said, take a serpent, a brazen or a bronze serpent. It's the sign of the medical community today, a pole with a serpent on it. That's where it comes from. And he raised it up, and here's what it said, that if you were bitten, healing doesn't come from looking at the wound. And healing doesn't come in just looking at the other person. True healing would only come when you look to the pole and what was on the pole. And Jesus said that was a picture of him on the tree. So if you will learn in your search for healing to not just be so focused on your wound, but look to his wounds. I'm telling you, there's, there's a work of grace, a healing, redemptive work when you can see Jesus on the tree, arms spread wide. I told you last week, I've said it many times, many of you are new to me as your pastor. There were seven fountains of blood opened on the tree that day. Seven fountains for healing in every area of our life. His brow was pierced, his hands and his feet, his side was wounded, his back lacerated. By his stripes, we are, we are healed. But all of that will not affect your life if you don't look to it by faith. You have to look to it. You have to see him sacrificially dying in our stead, dying wounded for us so that we can be made whole in every area. Spiritually first, communion with God, relationally, mentally, emotionally, Every part of who we are finds healing in his wounds. So we, how many of you know we look to him? We look to him in prayer. We look to him through meditation. We look to him through the ability of closing our eyes and contemplating. You see Jesus on the tree, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You see Jesus on the tree. Can you see him there today? I can. I can see him there. I can see his railers and his accusers at the base of the tree, I can hear them continuing to verbally abuse him as he suffers and dies. I can see the Roman soldiers parting lot or parting, playing, uh, casting lots for his garment. I can see the disciples that abandoned him hiding in the shadows. But I want you to hear this real quickly. I want you to see this. But from that tree, he lifts his eyes and he prays to God. And he says, Father, now I'm saying it without emotion. I'm saying it without pain. I'm saying it without gasping for breath as he would have been. Having to push himself up on the spike that was in his ankles in order to be able to speak or to be able to breathe. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
one on the left hand belittled him and spoke evil against him. But another on the other side turned to him and said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the same forgiveness that we pursue was offered to the dying thief at his side. And he offered forgiveness to all those that hurt him even when they didn't ask for it. And that's why I told you we don't look to David. David sought retribution. But Jesus sought reconciliation. Are y'all out there today? I feel the Spirit of God on that right there. Hurt in the church. It's a safe place in this room right now. In a moment, I'm going to open the altars. The worship team is going to sing. We're going to ask you to be courageous enough. If you've suffered hurt in the church, to be courageous enough to come to the front and just worship and pray and ask the Lord to help you to find healing. We'll come, us pastors will come by, other leaders might come by and pray with you. I don't know if there'll be one, I don't know if there'll be 30. Let me tell you, don't let the enemy in your mind keep you from having the courage to come forward. You've sat on it long enough. We're not asking for you to confess anything here. We're not asking for you to share. This is not a counseling moment. You may need a counseling moment at a later time. This is the first step to just saying, God, I'm looking to the tree. I'm looking to the tree. I just need, I want to look to your wounds and I want to be mindful of others' wounds. Would y'all stand up with me today? I'm going to stand down right here and I'm just going to worship. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to come to the front and just worship alongside of me and say, Pastor, I've been hurt in the church. Pastor, would you pray with me? And I'll come and I'll pray with you. I'll find you and I'll just come and we'll pray with you. Our church family will be very sensitive. The worship team's going to lead us in worship. We're just going to, if you stay, we want you to worship for a moment of time. You know, I always get to this moment right here, Joe, and this is more of the awkward moment for me. I'm not an evangelist. I, I, don't, I, I don't have this really great, unique uh, ability to give this altar call. But all I can do is be sincere. All I can do is be sincere today. The one thing, I, don't continue to self-absorb the church hurt. Expose it to the light. Maybe the first step is just coming to the altar and saying, God, I'm going to be honest with it. I'm going to expose it to the light in this house today. So I didn't even ask you to bow your heads. I didn't ask you to raise your hand. I didn't ask any of those things. I just simply say that if you want to come to the front and join me, I'll be standing right down here. And then we're going to worship God together. We're going to pray one for the other in Jesus' name.